Welcome back, Padawans, to another episode of the Wannabe Jedi Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. And today, we are continuing our conversation on Luke Skywalker. Where we left off was concluded with episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, and uh, Josh's impersonation of Luke, I Am Your Father, followed by the No, That's Impossible. Yes. No, (laughs) that's impossible. (laughs) I that was I don't think that was Luke. I'm not gonna lie. No, I don't, I don't think that wasn't. one was. I was, that was, I was it. prepared for Vader, and then it kind of turned into Luke's line. But then <laughs> it just thinks so. So Mark Hamill. You is created like, a new character within Star Wars. Yeah, that's course. the way to look at it. <laughs> Darth Skywalker. Oh wait, that already. <laughs> well, oh wait, that already kind of exists. kind of exists. It it, it doesn't yeah. uh, fully exist. But no, I was just thinking of the robot chicken where. It's actually Mark Hamill voicing that scene, and it was just—it's just funny because like no one expects it to be Mark Hamill, but it is Mark Hamill voice because he does a lot of voice overwork. So I actually didn't know that until you just said it now. That's actually really fun. I love that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. Mark Hamill just does an amazing job with with voice acting. So yeah, hundred percent. It took me a second. I because like you, I watched The Flash. Mm-hmm. And it took me a second to realize that Mark Hamill was in there. And then all of a sudden, my eyes just like went wide and I like stopped. I was like, Beth, Beth, do you know who that is? Beth, tell me you know who that is. <laughs> so he's the voice of the Joker. And then who else is he? He's the uh, the toy man. Is that it? The toy man? Mm-hmm. Or someone also that? in in my favorite show. I, this is slightly off topic, but in my favorite show of all time, White Collar. Oh. <laughs> Lando Lando Calrissian is in it. Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams, and it took me a second to realize it too. And again, when I realized it, my eyes went wide. I paused it and I looked at Beth, and I was like, "Beth, do you know who this is?" So, but yeah, before we actually get started on our actual episode today, Josh and I have another Star Wars thought, and and we both kind of talked about this before the show mainly because we didn't want to forget it because we actually think it's a it's a really good discussion point yeah so i will i'll start us off with our star wars thought do we think the sequel trilogy would work better if the episodes were rearranged and my vote is yes i think that as standalone films they're they're good but when they're mixed into a trilogy i don't think it works well in my per- not even professional opinion. I'm not a professional. In my unprofessional opinion, I don't. That doesn't sound right either. But we're gonna go with it. And I think it kind of falls down with seven. Seven doesn't set a lot of groundwork for the. Well, actually, it does set a lot of groundwork for the rest of the series. But I think if you change seven, or you change when seven occurs, I think it could be stronger. I think if you start with eight, mm-hmm. it could be a better story. Maybe you don't have Ray in it yet but then we get the background character on finn we get the background character on poe and then we transition to seven where we find ray and now you have your your missing piece of the pie Mm -hmm. and then we go to nine and then we know that ray you'd have to mix in rays of palpatine at some point in seven and then it leads into nine where palpatine is back and but you have that context because ray's palpatine i think it Personally, I think that if you flip eight and seven with some changes, obviously, because you can't have it be where 
you know, like there's there's some cases where you'd have to mix things for canonical order in the in the timeline. But I I personally think if you switch seven and eight, I think as again as a trilogy, it connects better. Yeah, I agree. I think that yeah, eight is the definite one like movie that just stands out that isn't in that flow because like like we said in, in previous podcasts that the sequel trilogy doesn't seem like a, a fluid trilogy it's a, it's like more independent films like you just stated and, and we've stated before and i agree i think eight since you know they they jj did seven and nine and and ryan johnson did eight so it's they were destined to be different because they had different different directors and different tastes from these directors and, and, and writers, I bet. The and... only thing I'll say about that is it's the same with the original trilogy. Yeah. F- five's not directed by George Lucas. No. Well, okay. So I, I don't think it's on the director. I, I think it might be... On the and, and not to say like it's bad, but I think that just the writing didn't set up to mesh well. I heard again the Padawans out there can can clarify or correct me, but since there's something with like a writing a directors union and George Lucas when he was making the original trilogy, he was he was a part of this union, but he, like something happened where he wasn't able to list out his name as the director for five and six because of some some union thing in california so i think that's why in the original trilogy he has the different names like uh you know richard and he does have a strong influence and not to say that there isn't a strong influence but like uh, you can make the I, i feel like you can make the argument for the sequels that you have one core set of writers and producers consistently Mm -hmm. that being kathleen kennedy that decisions flow through similar to George Lucas, where you have he, the, all the decisions flow through him. But I mean, so George I, Lucas made the universe. <laughs> correct. Correct. He's the maker at, at the end of the day, but I, I don't maker. think that we can, <laughs> <That's the maker. laughs> but I don't think you can like have it. I, and this isn't to like rant or anything, but I think if strategically they made Eight, where they barely escape the first order from from the get go. Like we don't even need to know all of the characters yet. We just need to know that Leia's still there. We and and that you sense a connection between Kylo and Leia in that opening sequence. You have Poe that you're introduced to, who's a hot shot. Yeah, and then you have Finn, where. Maybe maybe you have him waking up, mm-hmm. or or maybe you just have him be. I was an ex stormtrooper, and then you have character development throughout that, and then you come bring back seven where you reintroduced where where you introduce for the first time Ray, with the knowledge that she's a Palpatine and knowledge that Palpatine's back. Okay, okay. and rescuing Ray to find Luke because you need Luke because of Palpatine. Yeah. So you have you you need to find the map to Skywalker. At that point, you find out that this Ray person is a Palpatine and is on the same planet as the person who knows where Skywalker is. Mm-hmm. And then you have Luke at the end of what would be at the end of Seven, where 
Ray meets Luke and he says, I don't want to help. And then you have the character journey of Nine where even though they don't have Luke, they develop. Yeah. They develop and maybe then you have Luke come back in there or, I mean, you could change like Luke's trajectory with this if you you feel that way. Personally, I love what Eight did for Luke. Mm. Mm. Which we're going to get into. We're going to get into. Mm. So, so that's just my Star Wars thought for the day. Pedons, let me know how you guys feel about that. I, I'm interested to see if anyone else has kind of thought about how, if there was one thing that they could change, or if there was something they could change about the sequels. For me, I might actually change the way that the movies appeared. And, and I think that that could do a lot. I got you. Yeah, I think people just have to write like fan fictions, I guess, and then try to make a new order to the sequels and i don't want to and and i think that that's an important thing to note is we're not trying to change the sequels we're not saying we need to erase the sequels from from can from canon or anything like that Mm -hmm. it's more for me for working better as a trilogy that that's what i think i would have preferred well some people are saying like the sequels are now in an alternate reality slash dimension in the Star Wars they will, universe. They will never do that. <laughs> and, and, and here's why. Why? It was Carrie Fisher's last performance. That's true. No, that, that's, that, that's a very valid point. They will very never valid. do that simply out of respect for Carrie. Yeah. And I think that that's completely appropriate. I, for one, don't, I, I don't want to see them be alternate universe or anything like that. Yeah, I I like I like them enough the way they are. <laughs> I like except for nine. I like seven and eight a lot, and I wouldn't want them to be erased into this alternate timeline. I got you. Okay, nine could use some changing. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but <laughs> I do want to say the correction of Mark Hamill's performance in the Flash from earlier. Okay, he plays the trickster. The not trickster. It's not the Joker. The, not yeah. well. He plays the he he voices the Joker. He yep. plays the trickster, who are very similar, and then the toy man, who I was thinking is from Supergirl, <laughs> who's totally different. So I I watch all the shows on the CW, so I get confused a lot <laughs> with which enemy is where, because like a lot of them flip over. Eventually, they all intermix too, right? Yeah, they're like, all in the same after universe. a certain point. So yeah, the Arrowverse, if you will. But let's get into Luke Skywalker. Yeah, the actual episode. So where we left off is Luke escapes with his life minus his arm and lightsaber. <laughs> Falls down Solo to the obviously Bespin. gets taken. Yeah, they have, they have exited Bespin. And the important thing to note is while shortly after Luke gets his prosthetic hand, Calrissian and Chewie return from their initial search for Solo. Calrissian found Luke trying to fire a blaster with his hand because he doesn't have his lightsaber anymore mm-hmm. and it was apparently it was pretty like his struggles were pretty bad um because lando suggests that they return to bespin to try to find luke's lightsaber yeah and because lando's obviously the operator of the facility he said that his lightsaber should be in like the smelting chamber which is where a lot of that debris heads yeah obviously it's not there and we later find out that maz has it Somehow. Somehow. We still don't know how, and I would love that story. I would. You know what? Usually we like to say, hey, we leave it up to the imagination, but I think we should know how how Maz got it, 
because she did. Say I'd be I'd be open story to learning for about another that. time. Yeah, and, and it seems like the other that that other time has that has well passed at this point. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it's like a short story, or maybe maybe it's in a comic book form. And maybe I'm they'll just do like a little uh, kids. Uh, <laughs> ca- yeah, uh, cartoon like or like a uh, lightsaber tales or something like that. You yeah. know, <laughs> Luke's light, but, Luke's green lightsaber. <laughs> so so they went there. They realized that they couldn't find it, and so they were able to. They actually encountered some Imperial soldiers during this time, but Luke was able to steal back his uh, X-Wing, and they were all able to escape and go back to the other Rebels. Gotcha. Okay. Episode 5 at the end really, I think, did a, a good job. But, I, I mean, as a kid seeing Luke's robotic hand, it was pretty cool. I don't know, Matt. Did you think that was pretty cool when you saw it as a kid? I, I always saw the robotic hand, but I, it never really, like sparked yeah never sparked with me the same way other things have however i did like seeing the fact that anakin had a robotic hand i was like oh like father like son yeah all right (laughs) i i did i did appreciate that subtle nod but arguably anakin had it worse because he he got like cut up to the bicep or or something like that it was like pretty high up compared to luke's wrist cut well Oh, you have to keep in mind, he also, what else did, a- Anakin lost his hand uh, in uh, episode two as well. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He got it cut oh. by Count Dooku by the bicep. And then no, Luke no, got... no, it was not, th- I don't think it was by the bicep. It was, I thought it was, it was like, by like the elbow. It was like, yeah, I mean, that's higher than Luke. Luke's got, got the wrist. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. I thought you were meaning like shoulder. Bicep, it, it, bi- it, see, this is why I did not major in biology. <laughs> There's <laughs> very good reason. I definitely thought the bi- you were talking about the sh- uh, shoulder. No, I'm not the We had the exact same location. I just couldn't comprehend what bicep means. <laughs> oh my god! The next thing I have is Luke saw in a vision a planet by the name Sorelia, mm-hmm. where he encountered a woman from his vision at a dock on the coastline. And basically, this was Verla, who was going to start to give him his lightsaber. Mm-hmm. But what he didn't know, and this is where it gets really interesting, because this ties in to the High Republic era. Mm, the book I'm reading So right she now. informed him that, well, first that she suggested that he should leave the Force behind, but then informed him that there was a Jedi outpost in the Outer Rim on Tempest. And that's where he could find a lightsaber, his replacement one. My favorite one? Yes, but here's where it gets really, really interesting. Okay. So he flew there where he encountered the spirit of the Grand Inquisitor, mm-hmm. where Skywalker was able to overpower him and escape before Vader, and he got the lightsaber after defeating the Grand Inquisitor. But do you know what color it was? Red yellow oh yellow it was yellow blade yellow hmm. it was a yellow blade oh i'm thinking of ahsoka because ahsoka re like unbled like her kyber crystals to make it white that's the one i'm thinking of sorry yeah it's not green obviously and so that makes three different lightsaber colors tied with ahsoka yeah. who had three as well and, and i know josh you're very particular because season seven sees her with what color 
season seven of the Clone Wars. We see her with blue lightsabers, but in the novel, she still has green lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. Which, it, it still counts, used in combat. Yes. So her and Luke have three different colors apiece, and that's the most that I can think of. Mm-hmm. He doesn't keep that yellow lightsaber for long, though. Yes. And this this now gets us to Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi originally known as Revenge of the Jedi, mm-hmm. to which George Lucas, the reason being is that it's not the Jedi way for revenge, so why would we name the movie Revenge of the Jedi? Um, completely fitting. Yeah, makes used, sense. Yeah, he used it later in Revenge of the Sith. He has a great way of reusing. <laughs> yes. Past thought, thought like thought bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. So, in for ABY, when it was discovered that Han was with Jabba the Hutt, mm-hmm. Luke returned to Tatooine. And went to Kenobi's hut where he was able mm-hmm. to find the missing parts he needed to construct his own lightsaber. And and this is where I was going to get into with his lightsaber. You know, the Luke's Re- Return of the Jedi lightsaber is my favorite. I have it out in my hallway right now. It's hanging on the wall. And yes, that it looks exactly like Obi-Wan's Episode 3 one and A New Hope one. So he gets all the parts from Obi-Wan's hut. Yep. Minus the uh, the kyber crystal, yes. Which I was looking, mm-hmm. I don't see anywhere where he received the kyber crystal. Which makes me wonder: Did he take it from the yellow lightsaber? I'm not sure. I, I know I I've heard the answer before. It's escaping my mind right now, but I know that I, he either. Does it like Ahsoka where he unbleeds a Sith lightsaber or he t- gets it from somebody else and and just takes it and put uses it? With the, the Death Stars and everything, using Kyber as its main source of power for the the cannon or for the for the Death Star weapon, there's a lack of Kyber in the universe. So he was trying to find it. Maybe he did use that yellow Kyber crystal and made it into his green or or whatever but i do know that in the original poster and everything the original script luke was supposed to have a blue lightsaber but since it was contrasting with the tatooine sky um, they couldn't see it in the in the shots and it wasn't easy to edit so they changed it to green and that's the origin of a green lightsaber color in star wars yeah shortly after he goes to tatooine and immediately after constructing this lightsaber he's like i need to test out this lightsaber on some gamorian cards <laughs> and <laughs> that's when we get to the job of the hut palace and arguably the worst constructed plan of all time i mean it josh this is a terrible plan <laughs> by all definitions i will agree with you there is the scene like the deleted scene that he is like assembling the lightsaber with his own like screwdriver per se and then he like starts it up and gives it to R2 we could see that but that was originally that was cut and then when he's fighting Gamorians at least when he's walking into Jabba's palace he actually uses force choke on the Gamorreans well he's just putting them in their place it's okay it's okay it was ge- it was a ge- it was gentle it was a gentle choke <laughs> i know we've we've talked about this in in a previous episode i don't know which one but I know we've talked about it. That seems like something that we would have already talked about at this point. It was probably like the Han Solo episode or, or something along those lines. Something like that. But also, in the, what made me realize that he's choking the Gamorrean guards 
is that in Lego Star Wars, where you're in Jabba's palace during like that scene before you go and rescue Han, uh-huh. you can choke the Gamorrean guards that are attacking you as Luke Skywalker with the Force. So that's so that's interesting. Little... I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that that's where you got the this notion from. That's fascinating. Yeah, it was in Legos, and then I'm like, I gotta check this out. And, and every time when I watched the Return of the Jedi, I noticed it. So just a little input that, for all y'all. I mean, this is why we do this podcast is because I'm I'm also learning, you know. Yeah, and I'm learning too. I I didn't know he he used a yellow lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, could we argue? No, we can't. Never mind. Because doesn't he go? Doesn't he go to grab Vader's lightsaber from him? In the comics, or what are you? Th- what are you trying to? It, in it later on in six here, does he? Okay. Does he try to grab Vader's or Palpatine's lightsaber, or does he just try to grab his own? Because you know how so, Ray goes to grab yeah. Kylo's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Pal- Palpatine actually has Luke's green lightsaber underneath his like arm rest. Yeah. And that's where Luke forces it and takes his green one and then clashes with with vader he does not take vader's lightsaber it's and palpatine doesn't have a lightsaber until we see it in episode three or in the clone wars if you count chronologically when he's fighting maul and savage but wait we see palpatine's lightsaber in revenge of the sith yeah that's what i'm saying oh okay sorry 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 i I thought you were referring to clone wars yeah, yeah. Clo- well, I was saying Clone Wars, or if you're thinking about the movies, then in Revenge of the Sith when he's he's the Senate. Yeah, <laughs> I am the Senate. Anytime we can put that in, it, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, no, he does. He he grabs his own lightsaber. I, there's a there's a moment when Luke surrenders himself to Vader, and then Vader is holding his lightsaber, and he looks at it. He's like, "I see you've constructed a new lightsaber." <laughs> He's like, huh, great work, great work. This craftsmanship. Did you learn from Kenobi? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, be like, I recognize these parts. Did you go to Kenobi? Yeah. <laughs> he went to Jared. He it, went to Kenobi. <laughs> he went to Kenobi. Kenobi. <laughs> Maul, Maul, Maul for sure went to Kenobi. <laughs> and then he got ripped off, so that's why he yells Kenobi. Or he's the logo man for Kenobi kenobi's jewelry or kenobi's jewelry and lightsaber co (laughs) kenobi learned all of his stuff from me (laughs) (laughs) amazing we love this obviously we've already hinted at it but luke does go to try to rescue his father from being darth vader which he does redeem him at the end he does redeem him at the end again not the best constructed plan no but also but, better than <laughs> earlier in the movie. <laughs> yes. I do. I did like his little fancy trick when in, on Tatooine when he, he goes and he does his hand move and, and R2 shoots out his lightsaber. Then they start the rescue. I mean, just think if the wind, I mean, granted it's the forest, but like, let's say there was a strong gust of wind. Like that lightsaber <laughs> could have been just gone in the sand. I think he would have used the force to grab it. No, no, no. <laughs> That's no, no, no. what I'm thinking. In, in, in an, oh, Josh, we're going to play this game. In an alternate universe, oh, <laughs> the force is like uh-huh. is like the wind. Sometimes it blows in your favor. Oh, okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like everyone knows the story of Six and how he redeems himself. Josh, before we get into the sequel trilogy, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. What is your favorite Luke Skywalker moment? 
Ooh. Oof, 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 oof. Hmm. Luke Skywalker moment. I think the new Mandalorian end of season two. I gotta say that's probably one of my favorite moments. Is it because like, it's it top of shows. top of mind too? Uh, yeah, I mean it's top of mind, but also he has the green lightsaber as number one. Number two, he's a total <laughs> total wizard at doing the wizard. Or oh my gosh! At wiz- I didn't want to say bad. And I'm gonna beep that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I you know I purposely s- called out the wizard part so that way you would have to swear and have to bleep it out. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Struggle of editing, and then I mean I think that's one of my top moments. But yeah, so that's my favorite scene, and I do want to say that the other point where Luke does use his kind of hatred and his his emotions when he's fighting Vader in at the end of Episode Six. When Vader's talking about Leia and how he cares for Leia, because, of course, you know, now he knows that she's his sister. Sister. And you could see how his form, his lightsaber form, it's kind of it's kind of sloppy, his lightsaber form. I'm just going to say that. You're, you're dissing Luke Skywalker's lightsaber form. Man. It's better in The Mandalorian, but definitely at the beginning of, of Episode 6, it's like... You're swacking. It's like a baseball bat, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but that moment in episode six two is on my top list. Matt, what's your favorite Luke Skywalker? I think I've. Let I, me guess. Yeah, you, let me guess. You can, you can guess. Episode I'm sure. Episode eight. No. At the end. No. 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 Come on. The trench run moment. Okay. Okay. Yes. Never mind. Never I mind. will say, and we're gonna get to it. But episode eight is is one of my top moments, mm-hmm. where. I personally loved his acrobatics. I love the scene. We're, we'll get to it. But no, the the trench run, him blowing up the Death Star, it, it gets me every time. Yeah. That's Without a doubt. So after episode six, we see that he's we, trying we to... Have a, we have a very important thing to talk about here yeah. after episode six. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Battlefront oh. part where Luke is trying to find the compass for Emperor Palpatine and he's alongside one of the members of the Inferno squad led by Iden Versio and he's fighting bugs and everything. And like I said in the previous episode, it doesn't do justice for him to show him how powerful he is, but it does show how kind and, and kind of accepting he was after his father, after he, he remedied and you know, allowed his, or helped his father go join back into the, the light side. And that part, I mean, we, we kind of see the compass in, in episode nine, but we don't get to see Luke that much in, in there, but at least, you know, we get a, a canon point where we, we play as him. And then, I mean, you get to play as Leia, you get to play as Han, Lando, so on and so forth in, in the canon battlefront story. But like I said, Luke's one portrayal, could have been better he could have been fighting more empire stuff instead of bugs but that's uh <laughs> that's for another time yeah and even before that mm-hmm. and we see this in nine when mm-hmm. luke is training leia the yes. and leia is his first apprentice so mm-hmm. it's very very interesting and one thing really worth noting is on the final night of her training, Leia experienced a vision that that her Jedi path would lead to the death of her unborn son. 
Mm -hmm. So basically, Leia set aside her lightsaber to focus on, like, being part of the Senate and then ultimately the Resistance. A lot of people said in that point in 9 when when Luke and Leia are training that that disturbance, a lot of people, when they were speculating what was going to happen in Mandalorian Season 2, that that break in the Force was some was either, like... Leia detecting Grogu or something like that. It was, like, really funny, but... No, yeah, unfortunately, this doesn't tie. Yeah. No, I I was just saying, like, a lot of people on, like, TikTok were were speculating, oh, yeah, this this, this disturbance in the forest was Grogu on top of the uh, all-seeing eye. That's very... (laughs) That's very, very interesting. Yeah. Because of this, Luke said or after Leia being his first apprentice, then we get the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. Where the Empire finally falls. Finally falls. And this was the first time I figured out like how the Empire falls. And it's with the signing of the Galactic Concordance, a peace treaty. Yeah. And this is a super dumb peace treaty, by the way, because it forced the Empire to remain within pre-established borders mm-hmm. through the remnants of once powerful... Even though, like they, like the the remnants of this empire was dissipated, it allowed the first order to grow, and mm-hmm. this is very confusing to me. I mean, we still see that the empire is still operating, kicking yeah, but in Mandalorian, but the Republic is shutting them down. Yes, it's not like as long as you stay over on these planets, you're okay. It's nothing like that. I think that's, like, the whole premise of the First Order starting. I mean... So this is what begs the question, and and something that Dave Filoni had been stating for a while, is that with Mandalorian, you're going to see the rise, like, how the First Order rose. So Mm -hmm. are we going to get to the point where we see where the Empire within their pre... quote-unquote pre-established borders start? Probably. I don't know how it's going to become First Order other than when Kylo Ren... We have to see it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just so interesting because... I just never would think that the s- after seeing all that the Empire did, that to be like, yeah, you yeah. can you can keep operating in like five planets. Yeah, 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 that's cool. I, I just... I, I wouldn't envision that that's something that they would negotiate randomly. Like... I think they have a lot to explain. I mean, they're doing it in The Mandalorian. They're going to do it in these different shows. But to... I mean, I'm thinking about Battlefront. I'm thinking about Star Wars Resistance when you finally get to see, like, the operations of the First Order and how, I mean, you get to see, like, the DLC for Battlefront. You get to play as Kylo Ren and, and kill some of the Resistance officers, and, and you get they're hidden in the shadows. I mean, Kylo's already a full-blown person just on his way to for revenge and, and trying to be like Darth Vader and, you know, finishing what you've started. Yeah. So, <laughs> Josh, in order to save some time, yeah. after Jakku, Luke sets out mm-hmm. to create the new Jedi Order. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into all the details of every single person that he found, but we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the Grogu scene. Yeah. And we have a rough date of when Grogu was rescued. And that is 9 ABY. So okay. the Empire had fallen back mm-hmm. in 
for ABY. Yeah. So five years after the fall of the Empire, Grogu is rescued. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, as your favorite scene, mm-hmm. take it away. <laughs> we open up where the Dark Troopers, the Dark Troopers are pounding at the wall, and then we see all our, all our heroes, and they're ready to fight, and then they see a lone X-Wing, and behold, it's Luke Skywalker, and he's fighting all them, doing the hallway scene and everything, and he finally, Grogu's there, he, he knows, he can feel Luke Skywalker's presence, and, and can they can understand each other because they, they communicate through the Force, and Din Djarin opens up the, the doors, and Grogu wants permission from Din Djarin, and Din Djarin, you know, takes off his helmet, says goodbye, and, and allows him, and gives Grogu permission, and Luke takes him, and they're on their way. But it's a very emotional scene. I know, I know we're, we're trying to get through this because we're, we got to get to the other points in Luke's arc, but definitely I think that it was a strong scene. Again, we've talked about it at the beginning of last episode, where if it, if Luke should have showed up at the end of season two or in another season, either at the end or midway to pick up Grogu. But I'm happy that he picked up Grogu. And, and I mean, everybody speculates that Kylo is going to, you know, destroy. I mean, Kylo destroys the Jedi Temple that Luke built, but everybody wants Grogu to survive. And we'll see that hopefully in season three or maybe in season four of The Mandalorian. But Matt, do you have anything to add? to what i said i wonder how many people would quit star wars if grogu if we if we saw kylo destroy grogu <laughs> i gotta yeah. imagine i gotta imagine like <laughs> half the fan base would be like nah 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 nah, nah we're, i'm done i'm done <laughs> i mean grogu i would be done already survived yeah, yeah. I mean, grogu already survived order 66 from anakin he survived and, so and, much and, like <laughs> and he's let the man live survived pretty much all of the empire and probably countless like we don't know where we don't know where he's been. Yeah. But yes, if if let the man I mean, my live. girlfriend would stop watching. Yeah, hundred percent. If, if. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. So then that brings us to seven. And there's not too much to cover with seven, other than the fact it's... that Ray finds him abandoned on Octu. And his lightsaber. And from his lightsaber. Oz, like we stated before. Yep, which we still don't know. Mm-hmm. And Josh, this is when it starts getting into what I like and what you don't like. So yes. I, th- I feel like most of the Padawans have seen eight, so I'm going to tell you why I like it, and I want you to say why you why you don't like it. And and the Padawans out there, I, if, if how you feel about eight is how you feel about eight, and how you feel about Luke at eight is how you feel about Luke at eight, but we just want to present it out to you guys. Yeah. So, why I like eight is I think we really see what the trauma of everything Luke went through. He watched his dad destroy everything kill his mentor he ordered stormtroopers to kill his uncle and aunt he saw the damage of the dark side and so he he slipped like any human could they could slip into a moment of darkness it just made him very human and and made everyone realize that heroes have flaws which is why i like it so much is because it's true heroes have flaws and ultimately, I mean, we saw Obi-Wan. I, Obi-Wan was protecting Luke, but we saw Yoda just go into exile. So, like, it's not uncommon for the Jedi to behave like this. Yeah. 
and, and yeah, sure. Like people make fun of, oh, it was just a, he just had a bad dream, and all of a sudden he just destroys, every, you know, like, and, and people joke about that. But like, I don't know. I I love the fact that he was able to develop, and and character it like development is not a linear path. It's not like as soon as you start on development, you go, you keep going up. There's gonna be peaks and there's gonna be uh lo- like lows. It, it's how it is. And it was a little moment for him, and and it cost him dearly. But he corrects it by helping Ray out. Sees how powerful Ray's becoming. Gets scared of that. Realizes that he can't le- live in fear, and then corrects it by helping them escape in one of my favorite lightsaber fight scenes slash moments in Star Wars. Gotcha. It's still it it's still no Obi Wan versus Anakin lightsaber scene. No. I want to clarify that, but it's a good scene. Yeah. So Josh, why why don't you like it? I agree with most of your points. You know what? I I do. I wanted to see Luke. You know, at least have some powerful moments, and we're getting that. And that's like the big reason why. At first, you know what? You know, I'm gonna clarify. When we saw the Last Jedi in theaters, I thought it was one of my favorite movies. And then, or, you know, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I really liked it. And then a couple of people that we saw didn't like it. And then, you know, it got developed. I got to watch it a couple times, a couple couple other times. And there's points that I do like. And the overall, I mean, I did want to see Luke be a little bit more powerful and show that, show what he's learned. And these things with like the Knights of Ren and, and Kylo destroying the temple and the dreams and whatever. I mean, I just wanted to see a little bit more of how he progressed as a Jedi after Return of the Jedi. And and now, I mean, we're getting that now. But at the same time, to show him that, like, there's no, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. It was just, you know, Luke going on this, on this adventure and he, you know, and then he grows and he's becoming this way to a Jedi master. And then we get episode eight where he's, you know, a defeated man, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we do get to see him at the end as powerful as he is, but there's no middle ground to like to show what he did. But now we're getting that. So so that was your big I I completely respect yeah. that. So your big issue was yeah. the fact that we saw Luke develop and then you you wanted to see Jedi Master Luke. And that's something yes. that you didn't get in the sequels. Yes, we did not get fulfillment for that. I, I understand that. And and like I said, I love that Luke scene mm-hmm. in The Mandalorian. I just think that it wasn't the right time for it. Yeah. So I, I can respect where why you like it so much is because you're starting to get the things that you didn't that that you wanted with the sequels that just didn't happen. Okay. Gotcha. I get yeah. that. Yeah. That's that's my big predicament with it. And just to see how Luke I mean, he was very he's pushing Ray away and he wasn't being the teacher. I mean, we all have those moments. And again, Matt, that's probably why you like it. You know, he's just a normal human being. Like, or, yeah, he's just a normal person. And, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to see that validation where he's all optimistic and she is growing his power. I mean, in non-canon, he's pretty much the most powerful human or powerful being in the whole galaxy in the non-canon stuff that they, you know, that disney the non the non-disney canon and he has a wife and he has kids and and he like can think a thought i'm i'm gonna just i'm I'm gonna be honest yeah i don't like luke skywalker in non-canon 
he is very overpowered. I will tell you that he is. Very I just overpowered. to to me, he doesn't seem like someone who he has attachments, but I I just mm-hmm. it doesn't add up with what we've seen with like, like literally his dad had a wife mm-hmm. and cared too much and that caused him to go to darkness so it doesn't yeah. seem like it to, to me in the non-canon universe that doesn't add up it's like you saw that happen and maybe you're like you, you could argue well i saw what happened to my dad so i'm not gonna let that happen to me mm-hmm. i just think i i don't like that personally yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different story than canon. I will tell you that. It's definitely different. Yeah. And if you like that, of course, that you know, I, I like portions of it, but I kind of like the new stuff that they're doing. I mean, yeah, I, I like the Mandalorian stuff, and I like Battlefront, but again, some stuff, if they can change it, I mean, if they would change it, or if they did change it, that'd be awesome, but you know what? I'm not going to I'm not gonna complain. At least we're getting more Luke Skywalker than, you know, was originally anticipated from lucas and and now disney so i will i will second that and i and i think that this is a good place to end our luke skywalker discussion for the day or for Mm -hmm. for now josh do you have anything else you want to add any final thoughts i mean i think we could just get through nine real quick quick in a minute i mean nine just has flashbacks there's well, it's the fly- it's it's him with the voice, and then it's him as a ghost, and how he catches the lightsaber that Ray threw, and gives a pep talk. That's pretty much all of it. And at the end, it's the ghost when when Ray says, you know, Ray Skywalker. So, <laughs> and then of course the flashback to Leia and Luke training with the green lightsaber and her blue lightsaber, and those are like the the primary scenes where Luke's in, and. I think that wraps up Luke Skywalker, at least to the extent that we want to do. Again, we can we could talk to him in in further development, maybe a little in a. I mean, all you have to do is become best friends with Mark Hamill, and then we can talk to Luke Skywalker all we want. Exactly, exactly. So, Matt, I think this is a good point. I'm just excited and happy that we we broke it up into two parts. It's all been a long, long uh, Luke communication time. So yeah. Uh, it was definitely necessary to break him up into two parts here with just everything that there is to cover. Uh, and I just it, love his gr- green lightsaber. Hey, I, I'm... For, to be fair, I am red and green colorblind. How do I know what color it really was? That's true. But <laughs> the real question was, where was Luke's green lightsaber in 8? That's, that's the question I will leave. And I want feedback from all the Padawans out there. Yeah, give, us our, give us our theories on that. Yeah. Matt, take it away. Yeah, next week, Josh, we are discussing fives. Woo! And I think our buddy Ian's going to join us. I know he's been wanting to talk about he's fives a big, for the longest time. He's a big fives fan. Yeah, I mean, I did call him shiny fives on our uh, Battlefront chat. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, he's going to be joining us. It'll be a great time. Until then, make sure to follow us on all our social medias, at Wanna Be Jedi Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at Wannabe Jedi Cast on Twitter. Uh, make sure to go check out our merch store and, and and make sure to also go check out our website, wannabejedipodcast.com. That's where you can find the, our merch site. And also check out our Patreon. Until then, please stay safe and may the Force be with you all. May the Force be with you all. <laughs> <laughs>